This is Fuse FM. The university and college union have announced that 14 days of industrial action will take place across 74 universities in February and March. The University of Manchester is set to be affected. This is what one student had to say. Fundamentally, we're an apathetic student body, which means that we're being used as a bartering chip for a university that doesn't listen to us, which means that we're not going to help the cause of lecturers in the slightest. We're just being used as cannon fodder as part of a bigger political issue. The university said those studying should continue as normal. University leadership have opened a consultation to students and staff into proposed changes to its investment portfolio. It comes after students occupied management buildings in a bid to highlight the climate emergency. Student favourite Indigo is expected to remain closed until February the 17th following a stabbing. Council documents revealed one victim suffered neck injuries. The club said it was devastated. And finally, the world of clogs, Revolution Manchester and even Hooters in Atlanta. That's where the university has been spending its money. A Mancunian investigation uncovered the university's credit card bill. A spokesperson said all claims have been approved for legitimate business purposes. That's all for now. You're in focus. So, you are listening to Fuse in Focus. It is our first show back of the semester. Quite a stripped down one today. It's just me and Josh, isn't it? I'm very excited. I think it's going to be good. We can talk about all the news and it's definitely going to be a stripped down version, but there is certainly a lot to talk about. It's okay. The dynamic duo, just you and me. It's all we need. Absolutely. Everyone else can't turn up and that's fine. We got this, Josh. Just you and me. So for anyone who hasn't heard the show before, it's really quite simple. Uh, We're going to be going through three interesting stories from the week maybe slightly more detail than you might otherwise get in student media um we're going to go through them for about 10 minutes a piece maybe a little bit less today because there's only the two of us and we're not that interesting (laughs) (laughs) um as ever if anyone is interested in following the show you can find us on instagram at fusing focus uh we're all very you know like you know if you've got anything you want to contribute if you'd like to come on the show please just check that out uh we are very very easy to uh get a hold of and i assure you we're really really friendly We've been off air for a couple of weeks now because obviously we have the, you know, December shows and then everyone goes home for Christmas and then has January exams. So it's been a couple of months since we've last been behind the microphone. How's it it been for you, Josh? It's been very good, but the news has been very full on. You know, January and February Mm. have been insane months for news. We've had, you know, the coronavirus stuff. We've had a a huge amount of political developments. It's, It's been a really, really interesting month for news. It's been very full on, and I think um, as well, you know, all of the stuff with the um, democratic um, exactly yeah, nominations the in here. the states. You know, it's just it feels like the, the entire world is just exploding with exciting news. It's it, it's fascinating, and it was quite difficult to actually tr- pin down free stories and find yes, you know free yes. stories that we could talk about in depth because there was so much to choose from. But I think we've got a good three. I, I like think the we have. three. Yeah, definitely. So I think um, in light of that, Josh, would you care to just introduce our first story this week? Yeah. So the. First first story we're going to talk about is going to be our national story and for those who've been living under a rock yesterday Boris Johnson carried out his long-awaited reshuffle it was his first major sort of shuffling of his cabinet since he won that landslide victory back in December and it was supposed to be quiet wasn't it James? Yeah, this was thought to be basically quite um, an ineffective one by political pundits. Like, I was watching Laura Koonsberg's breakdown of it, and it, it was thought to be, oh, maybe a few minor shufflings round, nothing too exciting. And then the, the, the big story that came out of it 
was very unexpected. Saji Javid resigned as Chancellor, which is quite a sensationally. Total, total shock. I don't think anybody saw that coming at all. And the thing that I found really interesting about it, so he was offered the chance to stay, but refused. Yes. I mean, we saw, as it, as it started, we saw a few people getting the chop because you see the people going into Downing Street that already have jobs. Yes. And they come out without jobs. And then you see the sort of lower ranking junior ministers and the more discreet people that <laughs> Boris wants to reward for their loyalty going in a little bit later. And it was pretty, there was a few sort of major sculpts. It was a, a, a slight, you know, bloodbath. I should say, a, you know, a, a blood fountain. It was a little bit, it wasn't quite, <laughs> it wasn't quite so, um, you know, ruthless to begin with. And then the the Sajid Javid news came out. When did you hear about it? Um, I think I was in the library at the time and I was sort of looking around with a bit of like just sort of shock and confusion at everyone. Just like, I'm sorry, can anyone not see what's just happened? The the man with the (laughs) second most power, like basically the second in command has has just resigned. Well, I think think Dominic Cummings would be... The budget is in four weeks. What's (laughs) happening? What what is this? Exactly. Yes, well, as as sort of the media has reported, Sajid Javid was in that meeting for around 75 minutes and long is never good. Yes. Um, so there was some sort of friction and as as far as I understand it Boris Johnson and Dominic Cummings wanted to merge number 10 and number 11 and have a sort of joint command centre with shared special advisors and stuff like that yes. and you know Sajid Javid has said no way no self-respecting minister is going to sack all of his current aides and allow uh, a, you know a, what it's a power grab from number 10 essentially is what it is yeah, and yeah, it, this yeah. sort of thing has happened before with number 10 and the treasury there have been joint you know teams and there have been in the past because the prime minister's role is first lord of the treasury isn't it so mm-hmm. that this has happened before but it's unprecedented in modern times and i think sajid javid probably didn't know before he went in no um, no no and it definitely just got not. it just got sprung on him what do you think i know i mean i know we're both <laughs> on a sort of a, a opinion basis we're probably boris skeptics but do you think that <laughs> do, do you think that do you think boris you know, is this a master plan that's been hatched up by Boris Johnson and Dominic Cummings, or was it a spectacular misfire? Did they expect Javid to roll over? I, I don't think so. But but as I understand it from watching the sort of political punditry that's been happening, there has been a lot of tensions for a while between Number 10 and Sajid Javid. Um, I know that he was a lot more pro, say, HS2 than they might have otherwise been. He's very, very pro investments regarded as quite a sort of um within the political um sort of conservative establishment mm-hmm. he's quite a safe bet yes. as it were you know he's he's sort of he's going to watch the finances he's going to keep everything locked down and under and i think uh, that was running sort of against the grain that johnson and cummings might have wanted it to go to so that so there's clearly been some tensions there absolutely there was reports of because boris johnson's partner carrie simmons she's a big sort of sagid ally and yeah, 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 you know, Sajid Javid and Carrie Simmons are very, very good friends. And there was a lot of briefings over the weekend in the Sunday papers and stuff like that about, you know, Carrie Simmons saying to Boris, don't let Dominic Cummings dictate who's in your cabinet, you know, protect Sajid Javid at all costs. And actually the new chancellor, who we've not mentioned yet, um, a guy called Rishi Sunak. Yeah. Um, Boris is a very big admirer of Rishi Mm. Sunak. He's a relatively young chancellor. I think he's around 39. Um, The crazy thing, though, is just how short of a time frame he's actually been a member of parliament exactly he's, is it 2015 or? 2015 so less than five years less than five years and he has assumed the number two position 
in the current government. Like that is a meteoric rise. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen any politician rise through the ranks that quickly. It really is pretty impressive because you know it's one of the great officers of state, and as I said, Boris Johnson is a very big admirer of Rishi Sunak, mm-hmm. and I think some cynics, not me, but some cynics, might argue <laughs> that you know Boris liked Rishi. He wanted Rishi in the job, and this sort of thing has happened maybe by design maybe some sort of backfire and he's ended up having Rishi Sunak is is his number two which could be could work out quite well for Boris and I think if we can kind of maybe not to be a bit too speculative but if we can sort of read between the lines as it were if Sajid Javid was told you have to lose all of your staff and have our appointed list and wasn't that was an absolute line in the sand and then rishi sunak has said yes to it presumably his staff are all johnson and cummings approved people so what what that says like i know that there's a bit of a derogatory term which has been thrown around in the press like chino for chancellor in name only um you know there's questions here it could be said of is 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 the new chancellor a bit of a yes man? Is he just there to, to do as he's told and just to sort of obey and follow orders? Is he maybe going to be as combative and antagonistic and forthright as Sajid Javid might have been? And we'll just have to watch how that unfolds, I suppose. I think it is a really interesting one because I think it's difficult for Sajid Javid to... He's been running that department for around six or seven months. So it's difficult for him to go from being in one state of you know, having his own staff and, you know, having a relative amount of power and then coming back to the job after a period of doing it and then having to wield power to number 10 and Dominic Cummings. But remember, Rishi Sunak was Chief Secretary to the Treasury as well, so he was sort of Javid's number two inside the department and they were really good friends. Um, But, you know, uh, Sunak's a very good media performer. He's always sent out for Boris and Cummings, so I think it's a good point. I think he will be a Chancellor in name only, but that's probably much easier to to accept when you you haven't had the power that Sajid had before. Um, And another question to ask is, what will happen to Sajid Javid now? You know, he's come out and he said that, you know, no self-respecting minister could accept the terms that Boris had on the table. But is he going to be quiet on the back benches? Is he going to be, you know, <laughs> popping his head up in the Sunday papers and making remarks about Cummings and Johnson and whoever else in the cabinet? I think we have to just or see. Or is how he going to have the odd yeah. furiously worded column in the Sunday Times? Exactly. How is it going to play out? And I think it is really interesting for a cabinet reshuffle that was ostensibly supposed to be a quiet one. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think it, it's also a, a representation of our new political dynamic and the way that things are now happening within Westminster. You know, Boris Johnson has this huge majority and he can wield power. He can decide what to do with his departments. He can decide who to put into various ministerial positions. And as a as a uh, Prime Minister with an 80-strong majority, there's no one who can really stop him, ap- apart from perhaps Dominic Cummings. <laughs> <laughs> as the person with the uh, with the sort of power. The... Yeah, absolutely. I think we haven't really had a, a Dominic Cummings chat very much in this podcast. What do we think of, of Mr Cummings? Do we so, think he is a genius or is he just portrayed like that in the media? I, I think, in, in my personal opinion, Dominic Cummings is a genius. He He's a genius that I'm vehemently opposed to in, in, again in my personal <laughs> he's an evil belief. genius in he your is view. an evil genius and I think the sort of the, the pop culture image of Dominic Cummings is that he's this sort of shadowy 
puppet master behind yeah. the scenes. Being he's, played by Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, and, uh-huh. <laughs> he's the one kind of really with his um, I don't know, his sort of hands on the on the wheel of power, as it were. Mm. Um, I mean, for anyone listening who's maybe not entirely familiar with who he is and his backstory, he, he's probably best known for his work on the Vote Leave campaign. He yes. was the director of Vote Leave. He it was he that came up with the take back control mantra that surged Leave through to the um, you know sort of through to electoral victory. So so it's very very interesting and i think if nothing else the next few months is going to be absolutely fascinating to see how this plays out especially how the budget works just yeah. ah, it's a very very exciting and terrifying time depending on your perspective if you are interested in these sorts of things keep an eye on dominic cummings related media stories because yes. there are always briefings about him having to give up some power about him being the most powerful man but perhaps even more powerful than boris and there are also reports and suggestions that if he doesn't get his own way and he doesn't get to dictate what happens he he's not the the easiest of people to deal with there were reports when he was appointed that he said to boris you know i will come and work for you but i have to be in control i have to be the yeah, one that yeah, does yeah. um all of the work so keep an eye on dominic cummings especially students because if he can wield influence over any department he likes that means that he worked within the department of education when he was a special advisor for my yeah, club. So, yeah, yeah um i think that in the future we could be talking about dominic cummings after he's done with the bbc and he's he's taking his axe to that he could be coming for he could be coming to your town (laughs) (laughs) and i think there's a big question mark as well over the fact that he 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 is an unelected official who has been previously found in contempt of parliament for refusing to testify in front of select committees over um I i think the thing he was summoned for was over spending and financing of the vote leave campaign he refused to appear he he's a very very interesting kind of shadowy figure in the background and yeah it is it is quite an interesting one. I think in conclusion, Dominic Cummings is not the sort of man you can summon to anything. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, Josh, should we move swiftly on to yeah, our next let's story? Move on. We usually, you know, save a space for the environment and we usually have a bit of an in- environment corner, don't we? Yeah, um, every time, every we time. We usually have a, a nicer transition than that, but perhaps it's because it's a bit more stripped down and a bit more chilled. We haven't got that transition this time. Um, <laughs> but there's been lots of environment related stories. This there week. has been. And as we speak in Manchester, in London, in big cities in the UK and around the world, there is another one of these uh, Friday climate strikes. And, you know, that means that students and employees, they leave their places of work or study and they go and they make their voices heard about how the environment is going and how the lack of action is going, if that's yes, fair to say, yes. by governments and universities and and companies and they say that they want change and they want you know um a little bit less carbon in the environment and they say <laughs> they want uh more environmental policies and that is happening right now um yeah which i mean we always talk about it and we we've been to a few we've interviewed a few people um but they don't show any signs of letting up do they no 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 the, the sort of powers that be and I, I think it's um it's important to bear in mind that this is very much a sort of global point of contention like there are so many governments and organizations that are being held account and being kind of directly challenged by climate strikers and environmental protesters and whatnot i I think one of the more interesting things i'm not sure if you saw yesterday um did you see extinction rebellion digging up the lawn in front of the home office 
I didn't know. Did I did. I did this? see them in Cambridge. They uh, barged into a, a council meeting in Cambridgeshire. I didn't um, see this. It was, it was a budget meeting, and they was you know sat on the tables and they occupied the buildings and stuff like that. So, you know, they have. They're doing. They do, they, they don't seem to be stopping <laughs> their direct action. No, and they and they won't. And I think um, you know what with this being an even more sort of topical issue. Like I think since we've last been on air. Extinction Rebellion have been declared an extremist organisation. Yeah, that was a bit of a shocking story to me. I saw that one in The Guardian and there was a few uh, green uh, groups in within that document. It was a, yeah. it was a, a, a MEP document or a police document or I something like that. I think it was, yeah, because um, they have to produce effectively a shortlist of these are the organisations that yeah. we're keeping an eye on. That's the one, yeah. I should say I don't know exactly which force was behind that document, but um, there was Greenpeace was on there, Extinction Rebellion was on there. There was so many eco-groups on there and I, uh, it did lead to quite a big conversation surrounding can you classify a group that wants environmental change as an extremist group? And moreover, because Extinction Rebellion, a big part of their mantra is, you know, they're, they're non-violent protesters. They always notify the police before they take actions. You know, yeah. can, can, there's, a, there's a big question mark of can a group be extremist if you notify the police what you're going yes. to do in advance yes. and then demonstrate completely non-peacefully. And I've never seen uh, Extinction Rebellion do anything that wasn't peaceful. You know, the, the, the most... The least peaceful thing they've ever done is gone into the House of Commons with their touches out. I mean, I, you know, I'm really not quite sure um, how in any way Extinction Rebellion can be classed as an extremist group. But this is why the environment is such an important topic to us. And it's a reason why we talk about the environment so much, because on this show, we like to focus on local issues, university issues, national issues, international issues. And the environment is one that goes across all of those different yeah, um, you yeah, know, places. Exactly. And this week we had the University of Manchester committing to a consultation um, on its investments. We've talked a lot about this on the show before. A couple of weeks ago there was that Occupy... The, the group that occupied the John Owens building, the yes. University Leadership and we, we interviewed them on this show we and they did. were sensationally good fun. They were good. They told us that they was going to the toilet in pot noodle bottles and <laughs> they were, you know, occupying the building for as long as it took. But it seems that their actions have had quite a significant impact on the university yeah. because the university has said it will now open a consultation into its investment portfolio because at the moment it has multiple millions of pounds in fossil fuel investments. So, mm. Mm-hmm. You know, oil companies, BP, Exxon, Mobile, stuff like that, and it's now saying it's going to do something about that, which to me sounds like good news. Are you? Are you as? Are you as? No, optimistic uh, as me? of course. I think it's hard to look at that and not regard it as as good news, as it were. You know, I mean, the the, the um, aim of the protesters was to get the university to acknowledge the problem and take action. Yes, and sure, there's nothing concrete yet. It's them ad- agreeing to begin a consultation, but that's surely the exact action they wanted. That surely is just an unmitigated success yeah but i think it is important to say that a consultation is not the same thing as as you know action yeah and it's not the yes. same thing as uh absolutely saying we are going to divest from fossil fuels which a couple of unis have now done mm-hmm. um the university said that its policy change was pioneering which i know is great pr but given that leeds and lots of other unis have done similar things um can it really be described as pioneering i'll leave that to the listeners to decide <laughs> Um, but yeah, students and staff can give the University of Manchester feedback on the proposed investment policy up until Monday the 9th of March. So if you are a Manchester student, then do be sure to give the university your thoughts. And also, it's really important for students at other universities to to keep pressuring. Well, you know, if you do believe in that, 
it, direct action does work. We've seen that. And I think that there are plenty of things that students and environmental activists can now do. It seems we're seeing a, a shift in movement in universities. And we've been talking about this since September. And it seems that even in that short period of time, things are beginning to happen. I'm not sure if you'd agree. No, of course I'd agree. Of course I'd agree. Um, I think that there's still naturally a lot of work to be done. And, you know, there's still... Um, uh, you know, climate science seems to be suggesting um, a figure that Greta Thunberg repeatedly falls back on as, I suppose, the sort of poster child, as it were, for the uh, uh, environmental action group or movement. Um, she keeps saying that we need to reach a level of carbon neutrality by 2035. So we've obviously got a, a good 15 years there yes. yet where this is going to be a hot topic. Like this is this Hot is, topic, I see what you did there. Ah, that was so unintentional. <laughs> but, but I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm just so quick off the mark, Josh, and so witty. I, I, I think that if we're talking about it now, and I'm saying this as a completely inexperienced, I don't have any, don't possess any particular scientific knowledge. Yeah, we should or, preface this yeah. by saying we are not <laughs> climate scientists. Yeah. <laughs> but it does seem to me that, you know, we've been talking about this now for, it's 2020, we've been talking about it since at least the year 2000. Al Gore was a big environmentalist when he ran for US president. Um, and in uh, in the last five years or so, it has taken off as a humongous media subject and as a subject of interest. So it seems to me that if we've been talking about it for so long and we have another 15 years left... I mean, it might be argued there's no excuse if, yeah. if governments do decide not to do anything. But I mean, it's, it remains to be seen, doesn't it? We could be on the we could be on the edge of a humongous global change in environmental policy, or at the same time, we could go on as we do, and the scientific the scientists warnings will be heeded yeah, um, yeah. it's not going to be long before we find out yeah and maybe you know in 15 years time we'll, we'll do a reunion show of this and we'll, we'll both be yes. there a little bit older not necessarily any yes. wiser Josh. a little bit more suntan <laughs> <laughs> uh, just say well it looks like they're going to start is this progress yeah. Yeah. we've been talking about this for a while but they are now actually basically going to our entire lives <laughs> absolutely that was that's quite a bleak um, a bleak thing to end yeah, on like, for come our... on come on Let, let's segue into some maybe a bit more entertaining and uplifting yes. so for our let's, final story let's lighten up a bit we do usually do a quite fun story um uh, as our last story for and this is Focus. this is a fun one it this is, is a, a fun very one. fun one it's uh, it's a bit of a cheeky one it's been written by nicole and kane who is the deputy editor of the mancunian and it's on the front page this week and it is absolutely brilliant investigation so she's put in a freedom of information request and she has found that the university has been putting things like um, trips to Hooters in America, yeah. the world of clogs, they've been buying bearded dragons, they've been going to Revolution Manchester, they've been going to Gorilla, they've been buying clothes on ASOS, they've been buying clothes in you know lots of different places. Um, essentially, they've been putting them all on the university's credit card. And <laughs> I mean... It's not the scandal that it seems. The funny bit about this story is what they've actually been spending the money on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, The university, of course, insists that all purchases have been approved for legitimate business purposes. um, And they say sometimes that buying something on a credit card is the most economical way of purchasing something. Um, But it's a great story. It's a great, great, It's absolutely fantastic. Um, and and even just the headline, like if anyone is walking around campus and they see copies of the Mancunian being... uh, 
given out. Like you would struggle to miss that front page headline of just Hooters, Clogs, and Bearded Dragons. Please do pick one up and give it a read because it's an absolutely amazing story. Absolutely. I mean, I think some of the more interesting things. You know what? Maybe this is me feeling a little bit biased here, but I feel like in the winter months in Manchester, the quoted uh, three hundred and seventy pounds spent at North Face. Maybe that's a, that's an important purchase in in you know this, these wintry northern conditions. Yes. I think that was a some sort of trip away when they lost their luggage. Uh, it, it was um, it was an appropriate clothing for an expedition, according to the university. But right, um, okay. I okay, mean, okay, do you need the... to go to North Face? That's that's, that's the, the, the subjectivity of those terms, because <laughs> appropriate clothing that's subjective and open to interpretation. And what? How do you define an expedition? Is that a trip into the Arctic or is that going to Asda? <laughs> What's yeah. the, where, where's the line there? <laughs> Well, the also really quite funny stuff is the university staff spending over £1,200 uh, at Revolution for a Christmas party. Um, along <laughs> Which with... at Rebs is like two and a half drinks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the university obviously know how to get down, as they it were. They do, they do. Um, probably the most controversial element of this story, I was on the credit card bill, is that Nicole has found that the university found they had... Well, Nicole found the university had spent money at the American chain restaurant Hooters. Um, yes. Which, controversial for a number of reasons, which I'm not sure we're in a position to get into as two males. Um, but essentially, the university has said, and I think this is a dreadful thing to say it shows no self-awareness whatsoever the university basically said that the restaurant is a completely normal place to go it said that these were small amounts that covered two separate meals in a legitimate fast food establishment in america whilst attending a conference i don't know what you think but that to me just shows such a complete lack of self-awareness yeah yeah, Um, yeah. (laughs) it's such a because there's a very very clear connotation of what hooters is and the attitude that it promotes and the sort of um what's the right word the the sort of societal themes that it invites and uh and furthers and for them to say that so brazenly and for for their sort of official statements to to call this like questionable and controversial establishment a legitimate Legitimate. yeah i I think i think that's the contentious word there isn't it legitimate yeah i'll I'll read what nicole has put in her piece because i think she summed it up fantastically she's a brilliant journalist and she has really made it completely clear she said that whilst attending a conference in atlanta georgia two members of staff used university cards at hooters the american quote-unquote restaurant that is famous for its scantily clad waitresses Hooters has long been accused of sexism and objectification of women, with the Hooters girl employed at the restaurant required to wear a uniform of a tank top and shorts and encouraged to flirt and chat with customers. The name Hooters is a slang term for women's breasts, which, you know, if the university wants to call that a legitimate establishment, who are we to who are we to argue with their with, with, with their spokesperson? But I mean, I suppose this does kind of raise the question, doesn't it, of you know, is that an appropriate use of university funds? Because, because let's let's you know not shy away from the fact that the university gets its money from from us, from, 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 us, us. from you yeah. and me, Josh, coming here yeah. and paying tuition fees. Uh-huh. And then I suppose that you know, at a time when students, the, the, the general feeling, not to generalise around the student body, is that students are being shortchanged at the minute. Yeah. To then get this story where university staff are going to 
sexually questionable restaurants in the states and claiming exactly, yeah. and claiming it on our tuition fees you know there's there's a there's a, there's a question mark there and i i think that people in my personal opinion would not be wrong to question that and to, and to maybe draw some uh, some unflattering parallels and i think we should also say that this is the second edition of this expensive story that nicole has done yeah she did one last year as well and the headline as that was probably even better it was ka-ching and then inside the <laughs> university's expenses um what and was I mean, it? can you remember well, anything that was on it that time or um i mean it was stuff like lots of money on lego for the science department and what did they yeah, need lego exactly do it, they need lego it, but it was just as outrageous so it suggests that the mancunians reporting and doing this on two separate occasions hasn't deterred university staff from putting questionable items on the credit card i don't know if you'd agree with that are you trying to get no, it up there no, no i'm trying to find the uh, the article but uh, i think i might struggle to but no th- but yeah th- do, th- do look it up if you if you do get a minute because it is a really interesting a piece and it shows that if you read last year's and this year's side by side there isn't a huge amount of difference in it to be honest no, and I think there's like questionable is is like the kind of um, the, the the prevalent word yes. that I don't think would be used incorrectly here. Like like this is this is questionable behaviour at questionable yes. restaurants with questionable spending of questionable tuition fees. I like it. I, I think we've got a title for this week's podcast: <laughs> questionable. Um, yes, do pick up a copy of the Mancunian and check out the story because it is very very interesting and it's some great reporting that's been done by Nicole. Just need to read this out so we don't get into trouble. A university spokesperson said the university has a robust and proportionate system in place for all of our staff expenses. The claims outlined by the Mancunian have all been approved and for a range of legitimate business related purposes. There are times when using a corporate credit card is the most efficient way to purchase goods and services. These include travel, attending and hosting academic conferences and events, students teaching and learning, outreach work and carrying out and promoting our institution's research. A significant amount also goes on staff and academic training. For example, a substantial total of the expenses simply went on venue hire and catering for hosting events, training and conferences. This is the case with the majority of the location and hotel claims highlighted by the Mancunian. There you have it. That's the university's response. Uh, I think everyone will be able to gauge their own opinion from the story and the university's response. Yes, and if anybody does have any thoughts on this, you know, please don't be afraid to get in touch and let us know. You know, we always want more uh, more interaction with people. If anyone's got any stories, don't be afraid to get in touch. Like we said at the start, you can find us on at Fusing Focus on Instagram. Um, but I think that's just about everything there, Josh. I, I think, think we did a good job on our own. I, I think, think we the know, dynamic duo. Given given that it was just the two of us, I, I'd say we've done an absolutely spectacular job. And we hope that all of you guys listening on Apple Music and Spotify did enjoy the show. Please, if you are interested in your student at the University of Manchester, if you've got a bit of a knack for news and you want to come in and have a chat and a laugh, please do come on in and uh, come and talk news with us. Yeah, even if it's just a story that you think is interesting and you'd like us to highlight and cover on the show, um, just send it to us. You know, we always want more interaction. So please, please, please don't be afraid to um, get in touch with us. You can also find us, I should mention, on the Fuse FM News Presenters group on Facebook, if that's more your thing. Um, So we will be back here at the same time next week we will we will fantastic well i've really enjoyed this this show josh i have to i've missed it it's been a long two month over the christmas period and i think we need to get back and get chatting about the news (laughs) and i think to play us out today what we're going to have is more boney m typically let's let's do it thanks for listening guys